Welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. So get set to have some fun. We'll bring you action and satisfaction. I am Micah. And I am Matsy. I needed Micah to remind me what that was from, and I still don't remember it. It's it's the chipmunks. Yeah. Oh, I just I just got why you picked that. No, it's coincidence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um anyway, this is Animation Celery. We look at cartoons and then we discuss them, and we got a uh, special one today. Um we're going to be looking at three random episodes of Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. But before that, and we'll explain what we're doing, don't worry, because this is weird, but we'll explain it. But before that, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about, Micah? Well, uh, I've been checking out uh, Kaiser Beams. It's a YouTube channel. Well, I guess it's a personality and a YouTube channel. Okay. And he does like a lot of uh, animation history. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I had and, and I've been looking at a lot of his videos about the uh, history of Leon Schlesinger and hmm. Looney Tunes and Termite Terrace mm. and all that. Mm, mm, um, mm. So I had some interesting takeaways from them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the breakout Looney Tunes star, Buddy? Buddy. Buddy. Uh, He's a boy. Okay. He's boring. Yeah. All right. Maybe I, you know Bosco mm. instead. I'm familiar with Bosco, kind of, yes. Well, they um. lost the rights to Bosco. Oh! And so, Buddy is just white Bosco, essentially. Yeah, okay. I think I did osmosis this story from somewhere at some time in history, yes. Yes, he's, he's a very boring character. Okay. But... um. In one of the buddy cartoons, his girlfriend, Cookie, hmm. her little brother needs saving, and the little brother is named Elmer. Oh. oh, oh. Yeah, perhaps. Oh. Maybe. Oh. Maybe this, this was the creative ancestor of Elmer Fudd, if not the actual baby Elmer. Was the peril he was in being harassed by rabbits? <laughs> no. He, uh, like, his carriage uh, was on the train tracks. Oh, Okay. But, uh, yeah, I thought that'd be uh, good for carrying forth our uh, Elmer timeline, our yeah, Elmer yeah. canon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, did you hear about that stupid Cruella movie? Uh, not too much. Man, I I haven't heard... I, I just kind of saw somebody complaining on Twitter about um, the tragic backstory they gave her that her mother was killed by Dalmatians. Ha, ha, ha. All right. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. I hope that's not true. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like they uh, reconciled uh, the evilness of the Wicked Witch of the West, too, right? Mm. And uh, Let yeah, villains I, just be villains. Or, yeah, and Ma Maleficent, too. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Can't <laughs> oh, they just be terrible people? Gosh, you're right. Oh, man, it probably is. Ugh. I'm I guess sure somebody I, will tweet at me. I guess they don't want to, like, portray... They don't want you to have to follow a terrible person for as, as the protagonist of a movie, but... I guess. The only thing I remember... I read the book, The 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah. Um, and the only thing I remember about Cruella's backstory was that, with, like, she went to school with um, um, 
uh, Roger's wife, whatever her name is. I don't remember. And her last name is Darling, right? Uh, Anita. I think that's Anita. That's right. Oh, yeah, the Darling's from um, Lady in the Tramp. Uh, Lil, yeah, Lady in the Tramp. No, wait. It's Jim but, Deere and Darling. Oh, Darling. Well, her, oh, that's uh, Peter Pan. It's Peter Pan. The P- <laughs> Peter Pan, the, the kids are the Darling kids. Well, um, anyway, Anita, Anita is her name. I remember. Yes, now. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so the, the piece of backstory I remember about Cruella is that she went to school with Cruella. Anita did. Um, yes. And at some point, Cruella, like, because this is the old days, right? Uh-huh. And they had ink wells and she like drank her ink and <laughs> it ended up turning half her hair black, which is Wait. why she. Okay. But her, her hair was like brown or something. I don't remember in detail, but like, I remember that's the reason why she's half black, half white hair is because she drank a whole inkwell of ink when she was a young girl. Kind of cool, actually. Yeah. And I hope their retrofit isn't that like she had black hair and she watched her parents get mauled by Dalmatians and like it <laughs> made half of her hair turn white. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> yes, it is. I don't know. <laughs> Makes me want to retcon Chip and Dale. So like, uh, <clears throat> like Donald Duck's dad was killed by chipmunks or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> anyway, so uh, one of the other things that I took from uh, uh, the Kaiser Beams videos, I thought was mm. interesting. Uh, was some mention of the Hayes code. So oh. that's like, yeah, the motion picture code, right? Yes. Yes. And it, it was instated in 1930, but it took a while to be enforced. Okay. And it's, it's got some <laughs> of the things got you might grandfathered in. Uh, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> if they're already in production or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's got things you might expect in there, right? That uh, some things are too sexual or like they uh, made it so that, uh, crime should never pay. The criminal should always lose in the end. Hmm. But then there's some other things that are interesting uh, with perspective, just talking about the old rubber hose cartoons. Okay. Um, so one of the things that's forbidden is cruelty to animals. And oh. that includes, yeah, that includes branding animals too. Can't oh. couldn't portray it in cartoons. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> You'll like this speaking like, the the Kaiser beams put in put some of these haze things in the perspective of like why you didn't see farm animals anymore. And remember I mentioned that last week how yeah. those cartoons had them. Okay, yeah. well, one of the things the haze code forbid forbade cartoons from having, and probably live action too, was uh, bear udders. <laughs> too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> what that makes me think of is. That computer animated that that computer animated movie that came out a little while ago. I think it was called Barnyard, where mm. it was all male cows that had right. udders. Right, right. Mm. Oh, that's yes. the dumbest. Mm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I remember seeing the. Tra- I think I saw the trailer for that. I think I. I think I saw like. I don't know, over the hedge or something in the theater, and a trailer yeah. for that came up, and I was just furious. Did you, did you exclaim, what the hell? <laughs> I was just, I, I couldn't believe it. I was yeah. like, how do you make that? Like, mm, mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> Think of the amount of time it took to, uh, <laughs> to model that udder. <laughs> The many hours they had to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Man. Some of the other things, like, again, thinking of this as how it pertains to what we imagine of those 1930 cartoons. Yeah. Um, expectorating or spitting huh. as one does with chewing tobacco. That's banned? Yeah. The Hayes Code wow. says, no, don't show that. How long was the Hayes Code in effect? I don't know. Because I've heard of pre-code movies and pre-code yeah. shorts, and I know that it exists. But the stuff that you're describing seems like it's been around for a long time. Well, I think probably it's it probably amounted to a turning point in cartoons, right? Because you think about the uh, wild <laughs> violence and madness of those old cartoons and sexuality yeah. for that matter. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the cartoons kind of were just like, just parodies of, of Hollywood celebrities and people coming <laughs> to life from books and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were uh, a little toothless by comparison. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, aside from that, we uh, finished watching an anime series uh -huh. called uh, Laid Back Camp. Oh my gosh, I want to watch that. Where did you find Heck? that? Oh, it's on Crunchyroll. Oh man. I mean, you could, you could watch it with ads and stuff. But. I've seen little bits of that and I've I've like been looking around my usual cartoon haunts and no n none of the semi legitimate websites that I go to seem to have that. I guess it's new enough that they're uh, I found pretty. it about a couple of years ago. They mentioned it on like giant bomb mm. like several years ago tell me well, about it um well first of all the title's funny you know like how manga have weird symbols and stuff sometimes like x's or whatever uh it's, yeah it's laid back camp triangle <laughs> for a, for a tent right <laughs> okay yeah um, yeah uh so it it takes place in a uh, prefecture north of mount fuji mm -hmm. um one of the characters uh rin uh, she inherited a love of camping from her grandpa. So okay. she likes to go out on her own and go to campsites, uh, you know, just be alone, chill out and read a book. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the first episode, uh, when she's going to the little rest area, I think to get water or firewood or something, there's a girl that's napping on the bench <laughs> and she's like new to the area. Um, and, and, biked all that way whereas Rin had taken her moped right mm -hmm. so the girl after having had her nap is sort of stranded out there uh -huh. and Rin takes care of her yeah um so Nadeshko's the new girl and uh she gets inspired by by seeing Rin and camping and all that right so later on at school she gets recruited by the uh, member the the members of the the two member um, camp club at school, mm -hmm. um, and so it follows that uh, every nearly every week they go camping. Sometimes they coincidentally camp at the same place as Rin, or sometimes <laughs> they're in different places. But the friendship uh, continues such that they text each other while they're camping at different places and show each other photographs and stuff. 
Hmm. Um, and I suspect the show like has some uh, funding from like tourism, some kind of tourism board, because you know they they go to the campsites, but they also like hit things along the way, right? So whatever uh, uh, food is famous for the area, right, or sauna or hot springs or whatever, right? Um, and it it lives up to its name, you know, that it's just it's like a chill show. Uh, they talk about about camping and about the equipment of camping. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found um, it. I found it on my a thing. Cool. It's yeah. I'd- oh, this actually was just added recently because it's under the Japanese name, which is Yuru Camp. Yeah, Yuru Cam Triangle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I see the triangle there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the food plays a big part, whether mm. it's you know them having food at whatever little stop along the way or uh, how they prepare the food at the camp. Mm-hmm. Um, just a nice, fun show. Yeah, there's, I remember the um, yeah. the the little video that I saw where it was introduced to some of the mm. people on on Giant Bomb. Um, the they had a rep from I think she might have been a rep from Crunchyroll there, and mm-hmm. the idea I think the idea was that she was showing them little clips of animes like What do you think of this? Because they had just been oh. finished watching Dragon Ball Z. Oh, okay. Um. And so, like, what do you think of this, this, this? And so they showed him a clip of uh, Laid Back Camp. And her description of it was, this is a big thing in Japan of shows of cute girls doing nothing. (laughs) Yes, it's my favorite genre, it seems. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like... um, Oh, there's there's a a parallel show to this, too. It's Mm -hmm. just, like, short uh, segments uh, called Room Camp. Or I guess if it's uh, uh, if it's in the Japanese title, there would be like Heya Camp. Mm, okay. And the premise in that one is that uh, the new girl is being led around on a tour to get a stamp book filled <laughs> at various locations in the Yamanishi Prefecture. <laughs> yeah, See, that's where that comes from. They were doing that in Animal Crossing this week month. Uh, they oh had- yeah. They had a, um, uh, what do they call it? A stamp derby or something. It was basically each uh, segment of the um, museum had three little stamp kiosks. And you had to go get stamps from all of them and then you get a prize. We, we had a local one like that too. Raven and I did. We, we went, out, went around to the various uh, touristy places and got our stamps. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I got going on. Uh, hmm. How was your week? Um, a lot of work. Hmm. I don't know that I have um, as much to talk about. Maybe I'll just rest on what I interjected while you were talking. But <laughs> uh, I did find something on YouTube that I quite enjoyed, which was a... It's a channel by a... I'm going to screw up this guy's name. I'm going to say Nick hmm. Park, but it's not that. It's Nick hmm. uh, Page. Okay. Um. And he hasn't updated in a couple of years, but what he was doing for a while was he was animating the uh, radio broadcast of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ah. Um, and it's cool. Like, I was, I've was, i been thinking about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy recently. I'm feeling like it's time that I should watch that movie again. Mm. Um, I like The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I like the fact that every... Um, adaptation of it that there's been has been slightly different 
Yeah. Like, I like the idea that it's this, there's this basic concept, but the specifics of it are, you know, everybody can put their own spin on it. I think Douglas Adams would have liked it that way. Kind of like Shakespeare, I guess. I guess. Yeah, sort of. I didn't, I didn't much like that movie, but uh, I think the TV series had more charm. Yeah. I thought the movie, you know, I mean, the movie was different. Like, right. I, and like I said, I get that. I like every version of this story is different. So if they want to, there are things about it that I really like. I like the mm. design of deep thought, like this computer that's just a giant head sitting, like thinking on some hands. Mm. Um, I love something that I can't go back from is the idea that the, these like ascetic, like almost religious figures built deep thought. Yeah. And in reverence, they're like, oh, deep thought. And then, like, it took, like, millions of years to calculate. And then by the time it's time for the answer, the evolution of that society has been such that it's this giant media event with people, like, with, like, deep thought T-shirts and, like, banners and things. And it's this big party. It's not the same kind of... Because in the original... Uh, TV series and radio broadcast it was like it was just the same kind of you know stoic right. people was like oh deep thought we have returned but I like the fact that like that's not how society works like this is a huge event like society would be going nuts for the <laughs> answer Um, hmm. I, so I like that I like that the Vogon planet Vogsphere um, has these creatures on it that can detect thought and whips people in the head if they think. Hey, and okay. so and so that entire um so the Vogon race has evolved on a planet where thought of any kind is punished. Um huh. and I like the fact that their spaceships, um, when they land, they become office buildings. Yeah, that's pretty cute. Yeah. There's a lot of like, you know, I can understand if you don't like the movie. It's kind of like I guess it's kind of like King of the Hill where there's good ideas in there even if you don't like the mm-hmm. whole. There's certain things that's like, okay, I can appreciate I can appreciate this aspect of it. Hmm. Did you ever read you've read the books, right? No, I haven't. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. it's weird. My ex was big into them. Huh. Uh Okay, well, I was going to ask if you had ever read the 6th one that Douglas mm. Adams did not write. Um, okay. But I guess there's no point because you haven't <laughs> read the first five. No. I will Philistine. say, I will say the fifth book ends with the destruction of every possible incarnation of the earth with all of the main characters on it. Okay. And then they, you know, and then Douglas Adams died. And then they said, Oh, they <laughs> they got somebody writing a sixth one. And I'm like, how do you write a story. How do you write a sequel to a book in which the main, the every incarnation of the planet and every main character died, and they immediately gave a very good reason. And as yeah. soon as I read it, I was like, "Ugh, of course that's how you do it. Of course." And I felt stupid for not thinking of it myself. I guess, but it doesn't really sound like it had his blessing. <laughs> Sounded like he just tidied everything up. I think his widow like got. This author, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's like Ion Koifer or something. Um, mm. I think he he did it with the widow's blessing based on notes that Douglas Adams had made. Because I think Douglas Adams, like he was kind of depressed at the time he wrote the fifth book and he wasn't happy with how dark it was and he wanted yeah. to finish it. Also, mm. I kind of like the idea that it's just like, 
um, official fan fiction. Okay. You know? Like, I can accept that it's like, okay, this isn't... I will accept the idea that this isn't really what happened after the fifth book, but it's a, you know, it's it's a take on what could have happened. Hmm. Well, that's cool. Yeah. But I'll moot, because you don't... You don't know what I'm talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about. Um, <laughs> anyway... We should we should get on to uh, important business. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, as we noted last week, we set this up where we've picked three random episodes from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And when you hear what these episodes are, you will be convinced you'll you'll be convinced these are really random. This is not rigged because after watching all three, if I had rigged this, I would have picked different episodes. Well, it's funny. Well, we'll get to it. Um, we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do, see, I set this premise that this show is actually not good. Yes. Um, we're going to give, each of us are going to give our rating of one to five stars for each episode. Maybe it should be acorns. One to five acorns <laughs> for each episode. <laughs> Further, we'll give a golly. If the episode relied on Gadget to be any good. Yeah. And we'll tally all that up at the end. Yeah. Uh, but some people might not be familiar with what Chippendale Rescue Rangers is. Matsy, why don't you fill us in? Okay. So Chippendale Rescue Rangers is, as far as I know, the fourth Disney animated series. Uh, the first was a tie between Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears and the Wuzzles. And the third was DuckTales. Uh, so this is the fourth. It started in, uh, it was previewed in 1988 and officially aired in 1989 uh, and went on for three seasons. It was a founding father of the Disney afternoon and stayed there for a while. I think it was rotated out. I think if my math is right, it would have been when Bonkers was added. Um, the premise <laughs> of this is... That Chip and Dale, the two uh, chipmunks from the classic Disney shorts, are sort of vigilante detective crime fighters. Yeah. Um, as you know, you might imagine, since rodents don't have a uh, law enforcement system in place, um, and they sort of they kind of handle crimes that the police either think are too small or are oblivious to. Um, they have some pals working with them. Uh, Monterey Jack, who is a big, strong mouse uh, from Australia, who's been adventuring all around the world and has a weakness for cheese. His little buddy Zipper, who is a fly. And Gadget Hackwrench, who is a mouse, who I think is from Canada. And she inherited her father Gigaw's inventor acumen. Uh, and she is the, that inventor character that Micah doesn't like. Uh, she's the... No, 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 no. She's the inventor character I do like. <laughs> she's the um, the token female mouse. And also, she is the engineer. She makes all the inventions that the uh, rescue rangers use in their uh, crime-fighting adventures. And so every episode is them coming across some adventure, uh, some some problem which they go on to solve. Uh, sometimes it involves a recurring villain. There are a few of them. There's a villainous fat cat. 
Uh, there's another one that we'll talk about shortly. And yeah, that's basically it. It is uh, Rodent Crime Fighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, why don't why don't we get started? Um, yeah. So the first episode. First yes, episode. The first episode that we rolled up. Yeah. Is does Pavlov ring a bell? Written by Kevin Hopps in 1989. Uh, so the plot of this thing, um, it starts with a bank night watchman. He answers the phone, but all that comes through is a high pitched whistle. Just then, the bank alarm goes off, and through the floor bursts a large mechanical guinea pig. The next day, at Ranger headquarters, Gadget tinkers with the Ranger Mobile. Monterey Jack is wary of something going wrong, and indeed, the propeller flies off the vehicle, nearly hurting him. So Chip and Dale compete for Gadget's affections, but she is too oblivious. While the two are out... Well, well, all of them are out taking the Ranger Mobile for a spin. The chipmunk's quarreling causes Lemonade to short-circuit the battery. While scavenging for parts to repair the vehicle, the group meets a lab rat named Sparky, so named because he specializes in mazes and shock therapy. Sparky uses the electric charge of his body to jumpstart the battery. Gadget and Sparky, both being mechanically inclined, get along well. However... When the tea kettle whistles, Sparky goes into a trance and uses wires to destroy equipment. Gadget assumes the damage was caused by Chip and Dale trying to show up the rat. At the laboratory, Sparky shows Gadget his guinea pig partner, Buzz, and Buzz's excellence at running a maze. It turns out, however, that the scientist who owns the lab is crazed villain Norton Nimnol. The maze corresponds to the city's sewer system. First, Sparky is left in a bank. Then a phone call to the bank uh, gives a whistle sound that triggers Sparky to set off the alarm. Then the giant mechanical guinea pig, with Buzz as its mind, runs the sewers toward the sound of the alarm. Chip and Dale follow Nimnol and Sparky to the bank, and they witness Sparky setting off the alarm. Meanwhile, Monterey, Gadget, and Zipper board the mechanical critter and end up getting to the bank that way. The chipmunks use an alarm clock to lure the robo-guinea pig away from the vault. They end up putting the clock into Nimnol's pocket so that he's chased away by the robo-guinea pig. Later on, Buzz and Sparky show up at Ranger headquarters to let the rescue rangers know that they've left Nimnol and joined a lab at MIT. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, I personally find Nimnol's scheme to be overly complex. <laughs> they could have really melded Buzz and Sparky into one character, I think. Mm, probably. Well, it's kind of weird, right? That he drops uh, Sparky off in order to set the alarm, which would seem to be the thing that you'd not want to do. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, actually, you're right. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, so that Buzz will go there. there. There probably could have been an easier way to lure him there, or just, you know, set off an alarm s- sound in the, the uh, outside of the bank, in the bank. I don't know. Oh, quite complex. Yeah, and I wonder if Nimnal changes the maze every time, because it seems like if Buzz like knows how to get through the maze, 
He'll always yeah. end up going to the same bank. <laughs> right. Maybe he changes where the shocks are, I guess. I guess, yeah. So you were saying these seem like a really random selection of episodes. Well, yeah, um, because, well, I mean, not to spoil the third one, but you got two episodes involving Professor Nimnal. Yes. That was not planned. No, it wasn't. And, you know, I was thinking more from the perspective that this one, um, so there's, there are sects of, of gadget shippers out there that, that weigh a lot of importance on the idea that gadgets should be in a romantic relationship with one character. Yeah, generally chip. Yeah, well, it's divided, but it's divided. A... But like, I I have seen in my limited research, I have seen a weight <laughs> toward chip. Probably, there's a limited sect though that ship uh, gadget with Sparky. Okay, which makes some sense since they're both uh, scientifically inclined uh, rodents. Mm. I wonder if the I remember reading some kind of really detailed fan comic that somebody had made that um mm -hmm. ended up with um I think no, Chip ended up with Gadget in the end and I think the the consolation prize was that Dale ended up with uh the bat foxglove that right. was in love with him in some other episode. Yeah, well, I guess I guess that's why probably it uh trends toward Chip. Is because they figure Foxglove is a good fit for Dale. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. And and uh, shoot, what's her name? Tammy, the, the uh, squirrel. Yeah, is like uh, an adolescent. So yeah, yeah. Um, and it plays prominently in this episode that Chip and Dale are competing for Gadget's affections. Mm -hmm. It should be something I could relate to, but I, it's honestly pretty tiresome. Yeah. So. I mean, I I don't I wanted I wanted to wait until the end before I gave my thoughts, but I'll I'll yeah. jump in here because it's it's Pride Month, and yeah. I don't really identify myself as queer per se. I am a mm -hmm. cisgendered heterosexual male, but I yeah. do identify myself as aromantic, which means that my brain okay. chemistry just doesn't process romance right. Like I can't engage in it and I can't identify it. Mm. And I sort of see that in Gadget a little bit in this episode where she's just kind of like it is it's embarrassingly obvious how groveling Chip and Dale are being and Monterey doesn't help by standing on the side going, "Oh, having girl troubles, eh, mate?" But Gadget <laughs> just doesn't pick up on any of it and just does what she wants. All right. And it <laughs> I like, I like that idea for, well, I like that idea for Gadget in some way. I just wish it was executed better. I'll, I can go into it in more detail, but basically I like the idea that she is an absent-minded scientist who isn't yeah. a klutzy idiot. Yeah. And I like the idea that she's just oblivious to what's going on. Some episodes make it pretty clear that she understands, though. Yes. Um, for, uh, one we will talk about, um, one that you will talk about in a few minutes, I would say. Yeah. Speaking of Monterey Jack not helping out at all, <laughs> he's he's a bystander to uh, Sparky destroying that piece of equipment and Gadget blaming Chip and Dale. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> say something. <laughs> And the ending of this is kind of weird to me too, right? And this will be a trend too, that like a fair bit wraps up off camera. 
Kind of, like, yeah. We just get to, yeah, we get to see Nimnal get chased by the uh, mechanical guinea pig with Buzz in it. And the money. Yeah. Nimnal gets away <laughs> with the money. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe. Like, does he get away? Maybe he gets killed. I don't know if he appears <laughs> in another episode. <laughs> You know, maybe they, they just omitted that from uh, the wind-up, you know. Uh, we got away later. Boy, did we mess up that professor. <laughs> Sparky, by the way. Interesting Christopher Lloyd impression there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a good choice, I think. Mm. Um, the animation is just okay in this episode. Mm. Uh, it's got some very ambitious stuff for the... Uh, out of control guinea pig running through the sewers and then running amok in town, you know, like going up the building, coming down the other side. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for me, I remember when we were talking about gummy bears, you talking about mm-hmm. how you know, the first season was done so well. And then it, it oh, got five shipped. seasons of gummy bears. Yeah. Okay. So well. And then, and then yeah. it got shipped off to somewhere else. And I, I didn't really think about that. Um, yeah. but, when I was watching gummy bears, but I thought about Mm. it when I was watching this. Yeah. And it really struck me how sloppy the animation in this is. There was to the point that there was actually one part where she's a gadget is with watery in the machine and they're thinking about unplugging him and uh, unplugging buzz from the machine. And gadget says something like we can't remember what happened the last time. And I had distinct memories of how bad the animation of that was like, Mm -hmm. cause she, she kind of shakes her head and her mouth goes from open to closed. There's no lip movement. And think about all that I just said. We can't remember what happened the last time. And her mouth Mm -hmm. just is open in one frame and closed in the next. There's no talking. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that where it's like, like I thought about words for a long time and the words I came up with was sloppy. Like it's just yeah, kind of, they have a, I guess a keyframe might be like, they have a pose that they want a character to start in and finish in. And they put a lot of wasted motion that doesn't actually do anything in between those frames. Yeah. A lot of wiggling in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, some, sometimes people will dump on animation. They'll say like, oh, because there's like an error or something, you know, somebody's colored the wrong way or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to put a lot of stock in those errors. I tend to put like what on the general course of the animation, what it looks like, you know, yeah. or what it looks like at its best. And at its best, I, I put this as just okay, you know. Eh. It's not anything I get excited for. All right. Um, well, so, Do you want to give a rating or shall I just give my I'll thoughts get- and then we'll both give the rating? Oh, if you have more thoughts, we'll do that, and then I'll give my rating, and you give yours. Okay, my thoughts. When when I was given... So we kind of knew in advance that um, uh, Micah was going to do this episode, I was going to do the second one, and he was going to do the third one. And so while I was thinking about what I was going to say before I watched it, of the second one, just based on my memories of it, I thought, is this the one where Monterey's really wary of Gadget saying no problems? And then I watched this episode and it turned out that yes. this was the one by insane coincidence. Yes. <laughs> so I thought that was cute. Um, it's a shame that that has never come up before or since, but it's one of those yeah. things that happens in cartoons where they, 
Bob's Burgers is terrible at this, where they'll just Mm -hmm. introduce some plot point that's really important to everybody, but has never been mentioned before and will never be mentioned again. You you know what's weird that I realized? Monterey Jack does have a weird catchphrase thing. He says, I can hardly wait. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, he says that in multiple episodes. I didn't notice. Um, But speaking of which, this is the good Monty voice. Okay, yeah. This is Peter Cullen, who discerning animation fans would know best as Optimus Prime. Yeah, Optimus Prime was the voice of Monterey Jack. Um, in some episodes, he is voiced by Jim Cummings, um, and it's not as good. But um, either by quantity or by coincidence, all three of the episodes we got have the good Monty voice. So I was <laughs> I was glad to hear that. Um. Like you, I was annoyed. I said earlier I was annoyed by how awkward the romance was. Um, mm. I like the high concept of this episode. Um, I like, you know, if you're thinking about crime problems that rodents could have, this mm. is one. The idea yeah. of, like, lab rats being trained. Also worth noting, Pavlov and the Pavlovian response are never mentioned in this episode. So if you don't know, if you're a kid who doesn't know who Pavlov was or what a Pavlovian response is, uh, the title of this episode doesn't make sense. Hmm. I had this once with an episode of Darkwing Duck. Um, It was called Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlatan, which is a parody of a movie called Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Hmm. I didn't know that movie because it was like in like the 40s or something. Right. And I also, it was my first encounter with the word charlatan. So <laughs> I had okay. no idea what that title was. In fact, I thought it was Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlatan. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what this means. Um, and so you could have a similar thing with this. Could do. I feel like I feel like kids learn about Pavlov pretty early. Maybe. Like grade four or five. I mean, I'm a nerd, so I probably learned about it, just, you know, absorbed it pretty quickly. But... Um, Hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting, but, um, so yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. I, I, I think this is a good check mark of, uh, a story that you could tell involving rodent crime. Um, yep. so what do you think? What's your, what's your final, what's your, what's your acorn total? And does it get a golly? I, okay. I gave it three acorns. Okay. And it does get a golly. Hmm. Okay. I, <laughs> you know, we said that we weren't going to do decimals. And in a okay. way, it's a shame because this is absolutely a 2.5. Um, hey, we can do it. I think, no, 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 no. I think okay. the pros of it are, it's got the good Monty voice and it's a good concept. The cons yeah. are the animation is really sloppy and I find the romantic side plot, plot just really awkward. Um... In the end, I thought the concept was good enough that I rounded it up to a three. Okay. Um, does it get a golly? <sighs> I, 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 that's up to you, I guess. Yeah, I, I struggle with this because her whole romantic plot is really awkward. Like, it's, it's really cringy to watch. Hmm. Um, I kind of think no. Because I okay. kind of think that the plot would stand on its own without all the gadget 
business in it. So I'm giving it a three and no golly. Okay. All right. So we just did an episode, you alluded to this, where Gadget's teammates didn't trust her machines. How about a completely different plot? <laughs> All right. The case of the Cola Cult. Is this a well-loved episode? Because I... I think so. I... Yeah. Like, I... As soon as... You, you heard my reaction last week when I got it. Like, I immediately yeah. knew the song and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's the plot. The rescue rangers are out testing their ranger mobile. Uh, but parts are falling off it left and right, including the brakes, which does not seem to concern Gadget. As I said, she's kind of an absent-minded, oblivious inventor. Um, hmm. The other rescue rangers are terrified... But things kind of work out for the best when it comes to a crashing halt in what turns out to be the warehouse of the Cuckoo Cola Company. There they meet Pop Top and Bubbles, uh, some mice who run what they call the Cola Cult, despite the fact that this soda is not cola. <laughs> this is a group of mice who all want to belong um, in the warship of a VHS cassette of a commercial for Cuckoo Cola, uh, telling everybody to come along, you belong, feel the fizz. It's, it's this whole commercial about how you can fit in and belong to a group by drinking Cuckoo Cola. Mm. And all the mice bathe in the cola. They have these white robes and they bathe in the three flavors, orange, grape, and cherry, uh, to dye themselves red, orange, and purple. Uh, there's also a ritual called the fizzing, which involves putting all of your material possessions into a soda can and dunking it into some soda where it magically disappears. The rescue rangers are not very interested in this whole deal and take their leave. Later at home, Gadget is building an improvement to her uh the ranger mobile when one of the mice they met at the cola cult myron shows up in distress uh actually wait no gadget isn't working on her her improvement she's working on a magnet ray which right. goes haywire and starts attracting everything made of metal and in the commotion myron disappears before he can tell them what he wanted to tell them the only mm. clue they have left is a bottle cap throwing star <laughs> So yeah. the rangers fear that Myron is in danger and they take Gadget's new device, the gyromobile, which is a gyroscope with a suction cup unicycle wheel kind of deal. Um, they ride this back to the Cuckoo Cola factory to see if they can find what happened to Myron. While there, they are ambushed by a mysterious hand, which also we, the viewer, see sabotages the gyromobile. What's What's weird to me, they ride the gyromobile, gyromobile down the wall, right? Yeah. Th then they go into a storm drain, mm. and then they end up in the warehouse. Well, if you remember, from the warehouse, they went through a secret passage to the room yeah. where the cola cult was doing their culting. So yeah, it might be, I guess. Yeah. But it is weird, because like they do actually, because you're right, actually, now that I think about it, they do end up in the warehouse, because uh, the ambush that they are subjected to involves glass bottles being rolled at them. Yeah. Uh, they use the gyromobile to escape, but as it has been sabotaged, it falls apart. Uh, they are almost dropped to certain doom on broken glass, but Zipper heroically saves the day with a stretched tarp, but is injured in the process. 
Gadget is beside herself at how catastrophically her machine failed and decides to give up inventing once and for all. And the next morning, she decides that without inventing anything, she's useless to the team and quits. As she is in the process of quitting, before the Rangers can convince her to stay, Myron shows up again in further distress. And while they're tending to him, Gadget leaves. We now see Gadget alone in an alley where she spots the Cola Cult on parade. She follows them, and Pop Top spots her, having heard her crying earlier. He recognizes her as the girl from the Rescue Ranger group that they had encountered, and when she tells him that she's quit, and she doesn't belong there, he encourages her to come and belong with the Cola Cult. The Rescue Rangers go to the Cuckoo Cola factory to try to find what Myron's... Now Myron is healed, by the way, and he's with them. Uh, they go to find what he's been trying to warn them about, and in the process, they find Gadget in the midst of the initiation ceremony, having her tools fizzed and being doused with uh, soda. The Rangers try to escape from more attackers and end up in the soda can to be fizzed, where they discover that there's a secret passage in the bottom of the soda bucket that leads to a chamber, and somebody's actually been stealing all of the riches from the various cult members. And that someone turns out to be Bubbles. They believe that Pop Top is up to no good, but Bubbles has betrayed Pop Top as well, and is planning to take over the Cola cult. Gadget discovers the, the ruse and manages to escape. Oh, also, during this, Bubbles uh, admits that he sabotaged the gyromobile. The Rangers are now in danger, but Gadget has escaped and has renewed confidence in her inventing ability. She modifies the gyromobile into a tank-like machine, which is able to burst into the latest ceremony and fight through all of uh, Bubbles' minions. She frees the fellow rescue rangers and thwarts uh, Bubbles. But unfortunately, the magic of the Cola Cult has been revealed and destroyed. But Gadget tells everybody that they don't need a weird cult or ceremony, just as an excuse to get together and have fun. You know, you as, as you outlined this plot, I watched the DuckTales reboot oh, yeah. episode recently with the... Uh, they go into the pyramid and everybody there worships the sun. Yep, 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 yep. I remember that one. It's the same plot, isn't it? Huh. Where, like, the underling, the uh, the muscle, is actually running a scam. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Isn't that funny? That is interesting. Huh. Yeah. So, let me see. My thoughts on this. One. Cults don't usually call themselves cults. They usually think of themselves as legitimate business. <laughs> yeah. Two, um, I, I guess there's a miscommunication between the animation and the uh, voice here because um, there's a very rich mouse who's supposed to have all the more cheese than he can eat. And they're yeah. talking about getting rid of all his cheese, but it's jewels that he's putting into his, his can. Yeah, reinforced when Monterey notes that the that his cheese was fizzed. Yes, 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 exactly. 
they and, visit. and then when they get into the under under compartment, they point out that there's his cheese, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's still more coins and jewels. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, hmm? I did. Did you hear that mouse's name? Which one? The the rich mouse, the richest oh, mouse in I town. Oh, I did. I don't remember it. I didn't make a specific note of it. It may have been a parody of someone famous. Okay, his first name definitely is Harold. Okay. But then the last name sounds like Buttsack the Third. <laughs> that would I be great. I could not tell. I listened to it like more than once. <laughs> okay. I'll trust you then, because you've listened to it more than I have. <laughs> um, so I mentioned in the last episode that I appreciated the uh, Christopher Lloyd impression. Yeah. In this episode, I appreciate the Hans Conried impression that Pop Top is doing. It's good, yeah. Hans Conried, you might know best as uh, Captain Hook in Disney's Peter Pan. Hmm. Um, something else that I noticed here, I I love the mouse machinery props, like not just gadgets, inventions, but all the the various um, the ninjas. Weird, well, the the ninjas, yes, but like yeah. th- all the little day everyday devices. That these mm. that mice have fashioned out of everyday objects. There's more of it in the next episode too. Um, yeah. But I just I I love you know just these like the hammer that's a stick with a thumbtack tied to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like things like that. Like I, I love this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I had this weird moment. Like the the various cola cult ninjas have like pull tabs as swords and (laughs) bottle caps and they have um straws as staves and i legitimately forgot until like halfway through this episode that straws used to be plastic because i was thinking what i was thinking what are these paper straws gonna do really (laughs) and the one last note oh sorry go ahead go ahead would plastic straws do anyway well yeah yeah i mean it's kind of like yeah like there's a bit where they throw it they, they throw it at the uh, at Gadget's vehicle and they harmlessly bounce off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking when I was a kid, like, what are straws going to do? But it, it was yeah. doubly so now. I'm like, right. they're just paper. The one last note that I'll make, if we're judging, at least partially, these episodes of Rescue Rangers on Gadget's appeal, yeah. this is one of the only episodes in this series where he she has really defined breasts. <laughs> there's there's like multi, like in most episodes she's just drawn with like this outward curving chest but right. there are multiple shots in here where she has cleavage some under but not exactly cleavage but like okay. under boob there's one where she's leaning by the way her reasoning for dale having a a, a role in the rescue rangers she says you know moderate has got his strength zipper has his speed chip has his leadership abilities and dale has and then she's at a loss yeah. And she suddenly goes, his sense of humor. Yeah. And there's a thought where she's got her arms around both of their necks and she's leaning forward. Yeah. And it's like, that's the only time I can remember in the series. And I made a note of it as a young lad. Uh, <laughs> that There's like two distinct breasts there. All right. <laughs> uh, so I guess that's my final note on this episode. So, um, so you forecast already this is getting a golly. Well, let me hear your thoughts. Okay. Um, okay. This episode struck me as edgy when I was a kid, and I think mm. it remains so, being about a cult and being got scammed out of your possessions. Mm. 
Um, they're supposed to kind of be Harry Krishna, right? I don't know enough about Harry Krishna to say. Well, kind of. They look like, like it. Yeah. With and the robes and stuff. It, they used to be a uh, fun a fun group to beat up on, right? To uh, make fun of. I guess that's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, the end, uh, where Gadget is a one-mouse assault crew. Mm-hmm. I think that's what her creators would want to see more often. I loved that Gadget. Yeah. Do you remember how much Gadget with her comb and pencil plunger crossbow was used in promotion early on in the show? Mm, I think very given, vaguely. Yeah. I think given their druthers, they would have had her use that crossbow all the time and had a lot of cool action. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. Um, I think the story of this could have been tidied up if they cut out. Because they do a lot of like, we go to the cult, then we come back, then Myron comes, then he comes again. It's true. There's, I think, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess you'd need that because Bubbles needs to have seen them once yes. to know that they're a threat, see them again to sabotage Gadget, and then they have to come back to save the day. Exactly. But I don't think the uh, back and forth is worth the setup for Bubbles to sabotage the gyromobile. I would have instead mm. had Gadget lose her confidence early on and then have her meet the cult, cult in the alley for the first time. I guess and that's then, true. And then Myron come to them for help, but also let them know that's where Gadget's gone and then just flowed that way. Well, he wouldn't know who Gadget, that Gadget was a rescue. Well, actually, maybe if, if she, you know, explained that she was one of the rescue rangers and left. And then sure. Myron's like, oh, there's there's people who help people in trouble. I should probably go to them. Yeah, I can, yeah. okay. I can see that. Or, or the rangers could have said, you know, like, uh, I don't know. We've got to find Gadget. And he could have said, Gadget, she's our new initiate to the uh, Cola cult or something like that, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they do need to but, fill 22 minutes, though. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> With better stuff. or any, Anyway, so uh, how many acorns does this episode get? <laughs> um, I am giving it four. Four I think, big ones. I, I think this plot is solid. I, I think for Rescue Rangers, like, you know, I said the first episode was like rodent crime done well. Mm-hmm. I think this is rodents in trouble done well. Like, I think this is a, a great thing. It has the same kind of sloppy animation. Um, I think I didn't it's a little remem- worse even. Yeah. It, this episode chronologically came before Pavlov rings a bell, by the way, just mm. so people know. Um, yeah. I, I think the, you know, the sloppiness of the animation, like I will come back to that later, yeah. but I think it's a solid concept. And there's not much wrong with it. And I'm giving it a four. Does it get a golly? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Gadget as a sex object <laughs> is not the reason that she makes this episode work. However, okay. the plot relies on her losing confidence and joining the Cola cult. Yeah. And of the rescue Rangers, she's the only character that that plot works with. Mm-hmm. So I am giving this a golly. Yep. And it's because her character drives this plot forward. Yeah. 
What do you think? Uh, I give it three out of five acorns. Mm -hmm. It's a case of round down, I think, where it was kind (laughs) of in the middle. Because I'm almost regretting not going four just because of how catchy the uh, cuckoo cola jingle is. Yeah. By the way, I forgot to mention the theme song for Rescue Rangers. Mm -hmm. It is way more 80s than I remember it being. Mm -hmm. But also very much like the Gummy Bears theme song. There's lyrics in this that I'm just like, I. I, Oh, when you listen to the expanded one. Oh, I love the words. Like, not even the expanded one, but just like the the imagery that's being invoked. Um, Oh, you know, those two will take the clues and find the ways and whys and whos. Yeah. And like. Yeah. It it never fails when once they're involved, somehow whatever's wrong gets solved. Like, just. It's good lyrics, man. I don't know if it's Gummy Bears good, but it's good stuff. It is good, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you're oh, right, uh, yeah. The, mm. If it wasn't obvious, I'd give it a golly. Okay. Also, yeah. what <laughs> it's fun rewatching this because in the in the um uh the the cuckoo cola song, mm-hmm. there's a higher pitched thing that they say. And when yeah, I was young, I, I could never understand what they were saying. Yeah, yeah. And now I got it. So I'm like, yeah. oh <laughs> bottled in Pensacola. Okay. <laughs> that, that's my first note here is, quote, it's bottled in Pensacola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Rob Paulson, too, doing his falsetto. Uh, yeah, he's Myron as well. Yep, yep. So we got a three and a four and a golly. Yep, couple of them. Time to move on to our last entry. Ironically, the second episode. Is it? Of the series entirely, yeah. Well, um, we rolled low. It I, is, yeah. do you have more information on that? On um, it being the second? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about like it's broadcast order and the like. So Wikipedia has very little information on this, okay. but the Disney afternoon wiki mm-hmm. has the real scoop. Okay. This was the first episode produced mm. and it was aired in the August, I said there was a preview in August of 88 and the show premiered in March of 89. This yeah. was the episode that was previewed. So this is the first episode produced, the first episode aired, but when the show actually became a series, it was the second in the broadcast order. Yes. So so they say, I, re- I read that too, that it was the preview. Uh, not so for me. I remember the preview distinctly being Adventures in Squirrel Sitting. Hmm. Anyway, I, I guess it's moot, but uh, the the episode we're talking about is Catteries Not Included, written by the show creator Tad Stones. In it, Monterey, Dale, Zipper, and Chip surveil the police station to hear about potential cases. Chief Spinelli talks about freak lightning strikes and a terrorist who takes credit for causing them. I guess the rodents don't overhear that part. Well, they also didn't overhear the part where he takes credit before the strikes happen. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Instead, they take on the case of a little girl who's lost her kitten, Spunky. Gadget and Chip fly the ranger plane to the girl's house. Unusually powerful claw marks on the windowsill suggest something big and strong kidnapped the kitten. Meanwhile... Zipper, Dale, and Monty go to Cat Alley to show the photo 
of Spunky around. But rather than cats, they find partying mice that inform them that all the cats in town have disappeared. The three contrive a crude cat vehicle slash doll, and it attracts the attention of a robotic bulldog. The robot swallows the false cat and Dale, but Monterey subdues the machine. Gadget halfway repairs the dog, and the rescue rangers stow inside to ride it back to the bad guy lair of Professor Norton Nimnol. The other robo-dogs release their captured cats to be put into cages, along with all the rest of the catnapped felines. The rangers find Spunky and free him. Then they all witness Nimnol's plot. <laughs> Gloved robot arms with scrub brushes <laughs> rub those cats to generate enough static electricity to shoot lightning bolts. Spunky bites Nimnol's butt and latches on, causing the damaged dog to chase the cat and therefore Nimnol. Chip and Dale use the controls for the robot arms to crush the remaining dogs. In the end, Nimnol is captured in his own robo-dog, and Spunky is reunited with his little girl. So, um, right away, I think it's kind of unfortunate not to see those lightning strikes, at least one of them. Yeah. <laughs> also, a note here, between Nimnol and um, Bubbles and the Cola Cult, Jim Cummings seems like he voices almost all the villains and rescue rangers. He's Fat Cat, too, yeah. Yeah, he's Fat Cat. And this is another episode where, although Nimnol loses, it's weird that the police don't get him. <laughs> well, that's what the they rescue even... rangers are for. Okay, but they even show the police at the beginning of the episode. You think they would have shown up in the uh, end? And yeah, that's true, them. yeah, yeah. It happens in some episodes, but... Mm. And this, this being the second episode and part of season one, it's animated by TMS and is markedly better than the other two we've looked at. I have my second note here. My yep. first note is a different intro. And yes. the second note is much better animation. Much, much better. Wow. Like you weren't kidding. Like now I know yeah. what you were talking about with gummy bears. Like I was looking because oh, yeah. this is the third one. And I was after watching the first two, I was really looking forward to see what this one was going to look like. And I yeah. wasn't disappointed. It was, it was wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm hmm. Uh, although there are two very bonkers bits of physics in this episode. Mm hmm. Even for a cartoony cartoon. Yeah. Um, at the beginning when... Uh, uh, the group is at the police station and they, they decide we're going we're gonna to take that case to find the missing kitten. They go to the top of the police station <laughs> and there's some mouse traps set as catapults, which zipper triggers in order to launch Monterey, Dale and Chip. And they fly from the roof of the police station all the way to their oak tree in the park. Well, Gadget's just that good. I guess. <laughs> even even if the police station was just outside the park, <laughs> I'm calling foul on this, right? <laughs> also, that you know, they, they, there's like a little, uh, I don't remember what it was, improvised thing, but the, a little like net to catch them and, and soften yeah, their yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, oh, no, no, no. They um, they grab onto the pole that the windsock is hanging from because Dale flies into the windsock and bursts oh, through the both. end of it. There's both. There's oh, like a there? little thing to catch them. Yes, but it's oh. so small. <laughs> it's so small for them to have flown all that distance. And even the windsock is suggesting that it should have been bigger, right? That if there was a little bit of wind, they'd have been in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> And the other, the other one I was thinking of for just being kind of silly was uh, when the, the bulldog is attacking the, uh, the, the cat doll and there's like a stretch effect, right? Yeah. That propels Dale and Monty way up in the air, so high that they're the same level as the ranger plane. <laughs> it's a little weird. Well, how high can that plane really be flying? Pretty high. <laughs> so it seemed. Should be theoretically. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's okay. It's just, it seemed wacky to me. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Now, this this being the second episode, and I guess the first produced, Yeah. there's so much attention to the tools being made of improvised stuff, like those catapults on the roof. This is what I'm talking about. Mouse props. Even like, like when uh, Chip and Gadget land on the roof of the girl's house... Yep. They then repel on strings with paper clips down to the window. That is one of the things I had in mind when I was talking about it earlier. I just didn't yeah. want to jump ahead to this episode. Yeah. And I feel like in later episodes, it kind of shrinks back a little bit, right? Yeah. This is ideally what you'd want. Like I said, it would be with Gadget doing all that, you know, action stuff and then others having signature stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. And they, they kind of do, but I think there's just more love in this early yeah. episode. It really feels like the reason that I went and looked up, like I had to check and double check and triple check the episode order because yeah. this really felt like a first episode to me. Like just the, yes. the way that Gadget is introduced later and she's like, She's working on the plane and pulls out a bolt and looks at it and just kind of looks up at the others coming. Like, that looks like a setup of a concept, mm. you know? And then Monterey's like, are you sure you're finished? And she's like, you know, how many times can a wings fall off a plane? And it's like, like, it's all set up. Like, it's, it's introducing this concept and these characters and the way that they live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll give, I'll give my score here. I give it four acorns. Very solid. Hmm. Not my favorite, but just good. Fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I do not give it a golly. Hmm. She's not, you know, although she looks gorgeous in this animation, she's not front and center to this being a good episode. Hmm. Um, I think other notes that I have here are, I like this early version of Dale has these little voice ticks where yeah. he'll say, like words twice sometimes like how are we supposed to find one little little cat like mm. like he talks so fast and and quick like he has these you know it's not just straight dialogue he has a little personality to the way that he says things in this you, you know they, that's extra funny when you consider that he would have recorded it slowly like little little cat yeah yeah i guess that's true <laughs> yeah um i <laughs> I I really appreciate Nimnal's fun dumb plans. Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> like that it is you know, he doesn't have like mad scientist schemes that you think, "Oh, that could work." It's no. like 
living cartoon schemes, complete with the white gloves and the three lines on the back. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. and I like that. Like, I like that that fun. Um, a, and a great example of the animation, like the how good it is. There's this one mm. shot where the the complex that Nimnol is holed up in is spherical, and so there's yeah. a round uh, uh, gangway that that goes around the machine. And there's the chase scene where the the damaged bulldog is chasing him and Spunky, while yeah. the uh, the Chip and Dale are running with a remote control away from the other dogs in the opposite direction. Yes. And there's this great shot where it shows Nimble running from the bulldog, and the coil in the back and all the background is spinning, and then it yeah. stops to let Nimble and the bulldog go away, and then the other the Chippendale and the other bulldogs come in and everything starts spinning in the opposite direction. Yeah. What a great yeah. shot. Yeah, what yeah, great yeah. animation. The animation in this is so good. And now it hurts. Like I will tell you, mm. I was ready to give case of the cola cult a five. Okay. Until I saw the animation in this. Yeah. And realized that actually, there is a problem with the case of the Cola Cult because it could be animated so much better. Oh, especially all that action. Um, for me, I'm giving this episode a five. I think okay. this is exactly what you want from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, mm -hmm. I think they came out of the gates strong, but, and, and this is actually to its credit that it does not get a golly because it doesn't, yep. it does not rely on gadget. In fact, there's a lot of shots that she's just not in. Like when they're leaving the, um, the laboratory, like you see mm -hmm. Chip and Dale and Monterey and Zipper go past, but you don't see Gadget. Hmm. Like she is just one of the crew here. She, she is not something that, you know, somebody desperate to find something likable in this episode has to go searching for. Right. <laughs> it's like, she's, you know, she's just part of the whole package. Hmm. So there. All right. I have a tangent too, actually. Go ahead. I'm going to do some math while you do that. Okay. So this was an early episode, of course, and it has those robo dogs. And when you think about it, they're sort of the early iconic enemies in Rescue Rangers. Did you play the NES video the video game? game. The, Nintendo? the video game. Yep. They're, they're in there, right? Yep. Um, and Nimnal's machine is the first boss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the pillar with the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what it makes me think of... The, these Disney Afternoon cartoons were actually a little bit scant on merchandise, strangely. Yeah. And it makes me think of what could have been for a Rescue Rangers toy line. I found a picture of a gadget action figure. Yeah. But I do question whether it actually was real or just something that some fanboy mocked up. Oh, I think it might be modern. Hmm. Hmm. Like, you know, Disney store kind of thing. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but... For like what could have been back in the day, um, what I would have done is have made it like uh, Polly Pocket or Mighty Max. <laughs> what yeah. a great idea! Because if you make them too big, they can't interact with anything, right? Yeah. Just like GI Joe, except even more extreme. So they'd have to be tiny. Yeah, and what yeah. I would do, what I would do is like Ranger Headquarters, of course, right? Yeah. It would be the oak tree, and you'd open it up. Yeah. And you would get Chip and Dale with that. And the ranger plane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then another one would be Nimnal's lab laboratory, of course. Mm -hmm. 
and you'd get Gadget, Nimnal, and one of these robot dogs. And then the last would be the Happy Tom Cat Food Factory, a.k.a. Uh, Fat Cat's Casino. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So you take that cat from the roof, right? And you'd open it up and there'd be Fat Cat's Casino in there and you'd get Monty and Zipper and Fat Cat and maybe one of his henchmen like Mole. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, that reminds me one weird thing about this cartoon. The cats walk on four legs. They're oh, yeah. animal cats. Yeah, Weird, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's no Bible for the show, I think, because, you know, Fat Cat and, and Manx are clothed and walk on two legs half the time. Yeah, well, I mean, in in the to the rescue episode yes. thing, like he is some criminal's cat, and then yes, once and he leaves him, he stands up and gets dressed. He doesn't wear the uh, vest and pocket watch and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, later on, they meet some French dogs that are clothed that they're they're oh, on right. four legs, but they're clothed as well. The, yeah, everything hey, madness. Yes, <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so I gave these a three, a four, and a five. Yes. And I gave the middle one a G. Okay. And you did a, what was it? A three, a three, and a four? Correct. And which one's got a G? Which one's got a golly? I gave two gollies. The, uh. The first two. Um, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, if my math is not wrong, that is mm. ten... 22 divided by this. So we have an average here of 3.67, which is pretty, mm. which is slightly above average. It's, it's good. Yeah. And yeah. we have three gollies, which works out to 50%. Okay. So I think this was a pretty favorable selection, but. I don't know. For, for, for now, I'll have to uh, say that uh, it fared very well. It, 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 maybe it increased your idea of Rescue Rangers. For me, <laughs> it took one of the episodes that I remembered best in the case of the Cola Cult mm. and made it worse by showing me how much better the animation used to be. <laughs> so yeah. it actually took some of my memories of it down, but also yeah. boosted other memories up. But I'm mm. thinking those other boosted memories only account for like 14 episodes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I have such negative overall opinions of the show. Mm -hmm. And yet revisiting it, it's just, it feels warm. You know, the designs, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the characters and as you say, the, the settings and the vehicles, so much great design work. The concept the is so solid. It's yes. a shame that the quality of the first season didn't carry over. It's yeah. still all right. Like they still have, they still have their minds in the right place, but maybe not their hearts. Oh, talking about Gadget's obliviousness to Chippendale's affections. Mm. You alluded to the idea that in this episode, she's aware of it. Like, yeah. cause she's all being shy and kind of flattered as Chip. And then Dale are like, like yeah. Dale goes so far as like kissing all the way up her arm and stuff. <laughs> I, I prefer her oblivious. I don't like that she knows what's going on and is happy to just let it happen. She's just, you know, perfectly flattered and happy to have two guys fighting over her. I mm. prefer the version of her that is just aromantic and doesn't really realize 
they like her. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think uh, e- even for people for whom she's not their mouse waifu, they have to admit <laughs> she's the, the best character in this. In fact, I think this show mm. would have been better had they not had to slap Chip and Dale onto this thing. You're I, I right. They're like Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Who cares? Yeah, they're just there for the names. And you're right. Like, like even setting aside this the, the mouse waifu sex appeal thing, like Gadget is just the best character. Like she's the most yeah, but- fleshed out. She's the most interesting. But Monty's good too. He's okay. And well, I mean, he's he's a character, right? You could and probably then, do more with him. Like the idea that he's so well traveled. Yeah. Yes, and you know one of the things that kind of stinks in the show. Well, in in this second episode here, he is strong. Like he whacks that robo dog and disables it. And he stretches open the uh the mesh cage holding Spunky in. Yeah, in other episodes they forget that he's strong at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Chip's leadership qualities. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Originally, Chip and Dale were one character named Kit something or other. Uh, Cloud Kicker? No. (laughs) But maybe he's like, just just like Baby Elmer, maybe the idea of Cloud Kicker kind of lived on. It it became Kit Cloud Kicker. Gosh, I remember remember seeing something, like some little documentary thing, like before Rescue Rangers started. Like it was like promoting what Rescue Rangers was going to be. And I remember they had this poster of like the original before Chip and Dale got added Rescue Rangers. Yeah. And there was a ton of them. There was millions of them. There was a big bird. There was like... It, yeah, it there really was a was, chameleon. It was, I think. really was like the the rescue aid society from the rescuers. Yeah, heck, that's that would have been better too. But they were making rescuers down under, so I guess they didn't want to uh, pollute the uh, brand. But. I guess, and and you'd have to find somebody to. <laughs> I was just thinking you'd need to do somebody to do. Um, uh, uh, is it Jaja Gabor? Which Gabor is it? Eva Gabor. Whoever does Bianca. Uh, Zsa I'm sure. It's Zsa okay. Um, You'd have to find somebody to do her voice. And um, Bob Newhart. Well, I'd be fine if it was just in the same universe. Mm, okay. Not the same agents, but, you know, they could guest star in an episode. And by the way, it's been long mm. enough since I've actually watched Rescue Rangers that the first time mm. Gadget opens her mouth or yep. opened her mouth. Yeah. I was like, oh, like I didn't hear her as Gadget. I heard mm. Tress McNeil, the actress, because I've heard her mm. so much since then that it was just her voice. <laughs> I eventually got back around to thinking this is Gadget, but at the same time, like it was, she's not, this is one of the roles where she is just not, she has, she has limited v- different voices that she can do, oh, Yes, but mm. this is her just like, this is just Tress McNeil talking. Yeah, it's it's weird in shows like this too, where she has to supply all the background voices too. And shit. So, well, yes, but like <laughs> that, just random women in the street also sound like Tress McNeil. Oh yeah, any female voice, like you know, you yeah. can, you can pick her out multiple times, and like when all the cola cult people are finding their stuff, you can hear yeah, like, all the Why, that's groups. mine. Why I know? Or yeah. or when Nimnal's <laughs> in the bank, he's like, "Those is just not enough hours in the day." Like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, so there we go, indeed. Uh, think we'll do this again? With the same show? I think with a different show. Okay. Um, we might, we might, yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
In the meanwhile, we're going to be tackling something else. What's going on next week, Matsy? All right. Next week, next weekend, is Father's yep. Day. And as <laughs> long-time listeners of this 12-week-old show will remember, <laughs> uh, for Mother's Day, we watched a movie at your suggestion, a movie mm. about motherhood called Wolf Children. And I thought we should do another movie about fatherhood. And the first animated movie about fatherhood that I thought of was a goofy movie. So we're going to watch that. Mm, I'm excited. Yeah. A lot of Disney around here lately. <laughs> yeah. But uh, good Disney. Yeah. So I have never seen a goofy movie. I've been told that I, it's tremendous. I think I have seen a goofy movie, just not all at once. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's what you have to look forward to next week. We're watching a goofy movie for Father's Day. Yep. All right. So, until then, we'd love to hear from all of you, you listeners. Let us know what you think and what cartoons we ought to be looking at. You can reach me on Twitter at DrabSwatch. And you can reach me at AC Matsy on Twitter. All right, so thank you so much for listening. And until next time, when you need help, just call out the Celery Stalker slogan. Come along, you belong, feel the fears of Cuckoo Cola! Ah!